There's fathers out there that are raising their kids on it. And it, it's my responsibility to do right by them. And that's all I hope is that is that I can do that. You know, if not today, hopefully tomorrow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, here once again to pick the brain of someone in WWE. This week, stepping out of character is Kevin Patrick. He's a guy who's fairly new to the commentary desk. I think he's had a, a year under his belt, but now that he's had some time under his belt behind the desk, I wanted to get him in here and find out more about him, the person. Really cool stuff within this conversation. It's interesting to hear how he started from the bottom in TV and has moved his way up to where he's at now. Very inspiring story. Before we get to that, though, make sure that you're following WWE on Fox on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to the Add a Character podcast feed and make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. It's where you can find a bunch of stuff. I usually talk about that at the end of the show, but I'm saying it now because sometimes people turn it off when the interview's over, and I want you to hear it now. Go follow and subscribe to all of those things for a bunch more WWE content. All right, got that out of the way. Let's get to my conversation with Kevin Patrick. Kevin Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing, man? Ryan Satin, what's the good word? Delighted to be on your show. Hope you're keeping well. I am keeping well. What do you got behind you? What's on the what's what what are those pictures? Not I what's the pictures? So, well, I've got a couple albums here. I could probably do it replacing them at this point, but some Van Morrison, some Johnny Cash. And over here is like my favorite saying in the whole world, which is these are the good old days. And um, my wife sneakily put up a sign that says, ah, for feck's sake, which is a jovial <laughs> saying in Ireland. It's kind of a fun, jokey saying in Ireland, which is just ah shucks type thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, these are the good old days, which I'm very much experiencing right now in life because I've got a gorgeous, like healthy family and um and work is so much fun i just feel like i'm in my elements right now in all aspects of my life so very much a saying that i live by right now well and you're definitely living your best life right now because you know not only are you doing the wwe not only do you have a family but you're still involved in soccer you're still involved in all these things that you enjoy as a person and like just from reading about you and preparing for this you know it's something that it's not something that happened overnight. It's something that you've been working hard for from the beginning and started from the bottom and worked your way up. And I feel like when you've done something like that, you really appreciate it more once you get there. Yeah, I think so. And I think we all have, Ryan. You certainly have as well. You garner a greater appreciation for what goes into a show when you work behind the scenes. And I think back to when I first started, I, I was in college. I tore my ACL playing Gaelic football, Irish football. The show's not long enough for me to try and explain that sport to you. Um, but I remember after I tore my ACL, the doctor and surgeon said, look, you're going to be out for about a year. And I really wanted to try and break into television anyway. So I got an interview to be a runner making tea and coffee for the national broadcaster in Ireland. And it was during the Olympics in 2004. And that gave you access to every single room in the building. You know, so you're chatting with the director, the producer, the on-air talent, the editors. You're making them their tea and coffee, but you're also earning their respect. And I think that then percolates throughout your entire career when you have a chance to go to a place like WWE and you're an outsider and you're brand new and no one knows who you are, but you need to earn everybody's respect over time and, and respect everybody and what they do and, and just try and be a sponge in that process, which is very similar to the very beginning back in 2004. Well, and you know, you say everyone's, you know, self-made people or work their way up from the bottom, but I think maybe more so 
I have an appreciation for someone who started as a PA because I also started as a PA and you know, you always hear the whole like getting coffee or getting people's, you know, lunch orders, but that really is what it is when you're first starting off. And, and you're right. You know, the only reason I moved up after I was a PA was because I used to do the grocery run every week or whatever. <laughs> and I would, for the bosses, I knew they liked like certain little snacks. So I would get the snacks on the side just for them and like get to go up to their desk and be like here you go got you the pretzels you like and then have a conversation with them and they're like hey i like this kid who gets me the pretzels and then you kind of go from there the key is you got the right pretzels though ryan that's the key if you messed up the pretzels who knows you wouldn't be doing out of character right now <laughs> well that's true and i think that also other PAs didn't even think to get the pretzels, but I was all over those pretzels. I remember them. They helped me very well. They were like, oh, the pretzel sticks. I still remember them. They were, they were a big part of my shopping run. Uh, I, I, I got past it. We're going to get to your time moving up in the industry, but I want to ask you what I ask everyone else when I start off the show, and that is how much of your real true self is there in Kevin Patrick? I'm getting there. If I'm being totally truthful, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm not quite there yet. And I can be. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit closer each and every week. And I want to get to that place where, you know, I'm on the edge of the cliff. I'm, I'm on the precipice and I just need to dive off and um, and hopefully get to that point. But each and every week, I'm, I'm learning so much next to Corey. Uh, the, the guy is a genius at what he does. He is a gem of a guy. And I'm, I'm learning, honestly, so much each and every week. So once I get to that point that I, 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 I and I, it's a subconscious thing in many ways. You know, you don't even realize sometimes you're doing it when you're getting closer to that point. But uh, yeah, the, the the character is is pretty close to who I am. I'm I'm a I'm a happy-go-lucky, very comfortable within my own skin type of fella that loves hosting and commentating. And um, I just feel so blessed and so lucky to be in the role that I am. And I, I the, the honor of sitting in that chair is certainly not lost to me right now. What do you think is the thing that's holding you back from getting full, you know, full yourself out there? Well, no one knows how hard that show is. It's it's an incredibly difficult role. Corey and I talk about it all the time, the different aspects that go in to calling Monday Night Raw, the, the different variables, the moving parts that go into it. Um, you're dealing with an awful lot of different people. Um, and once you try and figure that out, well, once you can, hopefully one day figure all that out. I remember Michael Cole said on the After the Bell podcast on WWE with Corey Graves that it took him 12 years to really think about it and say, I think I've got this. 12 years, Ryan. So if Michael Cole, the GOAT, is saying that, I think, you know, I'm there seven months now. It, it's going to take some time, but I, I, I'd i like to think that I'm improving every week. I certainly hope I am. I want to do right by the WWE universe. I, I want to do right by the superstars themselves and the people that have trusted me with this position. It's it's crazy how you don't think it when you, when you, you know, you'll be you're very, if you're a confident person, you think you go into some go into something thinking I can do that. That's no problem. I, I can do that. No problem. And then I think, you know, when when time goes on and you're kind of like, oh, maybe I can get better. And you realize as time goes on, like you're definitely getting better. Like I thought doing this show would be easy. Talking to people for 45 minutes, no problem. Like that that can't be difficult. And after a hundred episodes now, I'm like, I think I'm finally getting it. I think I'm finally there where I'm, I can have a normal conversation with someone where I'm not glued to my notes and I can just kind of You were like, there a long time ago. You're too humble. Maybe, you were there a long time ago, Pat. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I Thank you. I appreciate that. But I do think it takes a while to kind of... I'm, I'm so prep-based where I'm like so focused on my notes that 
it is hard to riff a little bit when you're like, well, I want to ask all these things that I wrote down. And I think that time does just help all that kind of stuff. 100%. And and to be honest, Raw and WWE is a, is a feel thing. Like, it's a real feel. You have to smell it. You have to sense it. You have to feel it. And you have to understand in the moment that a lot changes, you know, on the fly. There, there's things that will happen that you, you weren't sure going in that you were going to have, whether it be a certain promo read or or, or or something specific that you absolutely need to hit on or nail in the moment. And those are all learning curves. Listen, if we're all not learning in life every single day, it doesn't matter what we're doing, shame on us. So it's an opportunity to learn. It just so happens that there's millions of eyeballs on it every single week. You're still getting the hate mail on social media every single week. I am. Um, and, and that's part and parcel of it. You know, it, it, it's what comes with it. Uh, I, 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 I'm at a point where I'm like, it's okay. Because if I was to speak to someone, if I was to speak to me 10 years down the line or me 10 years ago, which I'd actually love to have that conversation, by the way. And you realize that you're doing all the right things. You're working hard. You're trying. You're, you're trying to do right by everybody. Now just let it go. Let go and have fun. And that's where I want to get to eventually. It's so, so much easier said than done, though, in doing that. And I can't imagine when you've got millions of people watching you and you've got, you know, the the intense social media crowd just ready to criticize every little thing that you do uh it, it's it's probably still hard to do that do you know what? it's the show that everyone loves though <laughs> this is the thing it's the show that everyone loves there, there's there's fathers out there that are raising their kids on it that you know that those fathers were raised by their fathers or mothers and it, it's my responsibility to do right by them and that's all i hope is that is that i can do that you know if not today hopefully tomorrow you know and just keep working at it and eventually get to that point where i i am someone that they enjoy listening to or watching on tv and and like i said if i if i don't get there right away i'll continue to grind and try and get there eventually well you know in talking about dads and parenting it feels like you know you've got two kids you're you're working in wwe you've got podcasts you're still calling soccer and doing all that kind of stuff that's a lot to do at once do you ever get any free time to yourself i'm reading a book at the moment called essentialism and uh it's about exactly that it's when you've got an awful lot going on how do you get more done by doing less and uh it's the challenge at the moment because my two kids are, are are two and four and they're brilliant they're just so much fun right now at this age my wife I, I got so lucky with with the lady that I married, and she's such a great teammate and partner. And um, we're, we're we're getting through this crazy time, but I wouldn't change anything for the world. When I'm home, I'm dad, and I'm fun dad. I'm the clown. I feel bad for my wife in a way because she's got to be the disciplinarian. She's got to be the one, you know, saying sit down, dinner time, yada yada yada. Whereas I come home and I'm the goofball that makes them laugh and and brings them out to do fun things and all that stuff. So we're making the most of it for now, trying to get as much done as I can, um, while trying to do it go to job as I can and I just keep going forward I'm living in the good old days as it says right there <laughs> I think you're lucky in the fact that you also get to do things that you're passionate about you know you enjoy what you're doing so even if you might not have you know free time you're at least doing something where you enjoy it at, at all times and that's imperative for, for anybody, you know, like so often we get thrown into or pushed into certain sectors and if there's kids listening that are in college right now and they're unsure what to do, what are you passionate about? You know, what what gets you going? What gets the mind moving? 
those are things that we all need to think about in life because if you're not passionate about something, eventually it's gonna it's gonna shine through. And I absolutely adore what I do, both with WWE and now with Apple TV and obviously with my family as well. And those are the big three priorities in my life right now. I actually okay, so when I was reading about you, the Gaelic soccer thing did it did say that, and I was very confused. We've got time here. What is the difference? Because I so was Gaelic confused. football. So going way back. I mean, the English didn't allow the Irish to play soccer. Okay. So the Irish said, right, we're going to start our own sport. And we, we'd set up Gaelic football and hurling. Handball is also a Gaelic game sport too. But fo- Gaelic football is, it's a round ball, slightly heavier than a soccer ball. You've got a essentially like a soccer goal with American football posts on top. You kick it in the goal past the goalkeeper, it's three points. You kick it over the bar, it's one point. And um, okay. it is an electric sport. My dad was a Gaelic football player in the 70s with the Dublin team, and he won the equivalent of the Super Bowl, uh, you know, back in Ireland, our Super Bowl, the All-Ireland Championship. And they traveled America after winning two in a row. And that's how we met my mom. My mom's from Chicago. So half my family's from Chicago, half is from Dublin. I didn't even write that down, but when I was reading it, I was so wondering how that happened. I'm like, this sounds like straight up out of like a rom-com, you know, a guy from Ireland <laughs> marrying a girl from Chicago in that time period. That explains a lot there. So wait, so that's then, okay, so that's why you, so I assume that football, soccer, whatever you call it, has been been a part of your life since as far back as you can remember then. Yeah, a lot of sport, you know. We we grew up a, a sporty family. We played pretty much everything. Uh, soccer, Gaelic football, Gaelic games, the Irish sports were very much part of our family. And, you know, the same, I, I've talked to, to Finn Balor and Seamus, and it's just part of our culture. They both played uh, growing up as well. Seamus was a big full forward. He was a big bruiser. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, great game. It's our national pastime. So that's something that we grew up very passionate about. And my mother... You know, when she moved back to Ireland with my dad, my mom quickly became like a Gaelic football coach, you know, and she's this American lady running up and down the sidelines of Irish Gaelic football fields being like, catch it, kick it, get rid of it. You know, so everyone knew who my mom was. She was the yank on the sideline. But uh, yeah, just just an outstanding sport and a huge part of my life. So your mom was from Chicago. So then you kind of like you'd come out here when you were younger and see you'd get to see Chicago when you were a kid and stuff. Yeah, we, we, we always vacationed in Ireland unless it was a trip to Chicago. And that was always a big deal. Like for, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and for our family to, to, to go to America was a huge big deal. My mom's parents were there. Uh, so the trips to Chicago were, were absolutely special. And um, I was actually part of a Chicago Cubs broadcast recently for something I was doing with Apple. And to be at Wrigley Field on a broadcast, you know, it brought back so many memories because my my family were Cubs obsessed. My uncles were bat boys for the Cubs. My mom like had me in Cubs gear. Everything I wore growing up was Cubs and Bears. You know, so I I, I said it to Seth Rollins not so long ago. You know, I'm a Bears guy too, and uh, Chicago's just played a massive part in our life. My brother lives there right now. He's met a Chicago girl. I am from Ireland and met a Chicago girl, so we're following my dad's footsteps. Your dad must love that. He's like, wow, they followed just right love to a team. We're in Ireland, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense for sure. Yeah, I he's so he's still back there. Yeah, my parents, my parents are in Ireland. They have five kids, and the five kids are in five different cities around the world. They oh, uh, they teach us that you know you've got your roots and you've got your wings. You always know where home is, but just you know, go live that life. So we talked about you. So you get you said you got injured, then you wanted to switch to the TV side of things, and I think it's funny how I, you know. Being a production assistant 
from what I've seen, either like kills someone's passion for the business. They're like, this is terrible. This is not what I thought the entertainment industry was going to be. Or does the opposite and it fuels you to want to move up. And for you, it obviously fueled you. I liked this bio that I read of you. It said, the tea and coffee was obviously of a high standard as Kevin quickly progressed <laughs> through the ranks as a researcher, sub-editor, and reporter covering events such as the FIFA World Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League. And so I love knowing that you just you know moved up through the ranks like that and kind of got a taste of everything. I had the bug, Ryan. And I know you have that similar bug. Like the 14th of August, 2004 was the day I started. I'll never forget that date because the red light in the studio, you know, the vibe of going live, that sort of environment I absolutely live for. And it's the same now before Monday Night Raw. Every single Monday after we film main event, you know, it gets to 7.59 and you've got those little jitters and you're thinking, here we go. And it's just such a fun feel. It's not for everybody, but for, for me, from day one, like I used to go to shows that had audiences and sit in the audience just because I, I wanted to look around and figure out what I wanted to do. And I didn't know whether I wanted to be like an audience coordinator, you know, a director, a producer, on air. I probably never thought I'd be good enough to go on air, never thought I'd have the confidence to do it. And I think that confidence, as you know, only comes from reps and only comes from being around the industry long enough to realize, okay, that's how they do it. Okay, learn from him, learn from her. Uh, this is going to be something that maybe I could give a go and, and try and make it happen. And uh, luckily over time, I've been given opportunities. I had plenty of opportunities in Ireland. And the, the reason I left at the time was I'm looking up the ladder in the national broadcaster and there were so many full-time brilliant people and I just thought, go to go to America for a year. Even if you get a production assistant role for a year, get some experience from afar, come back, potentially skip a step on the ladder. Who knows? And sure enough, I, I went to America and I met my wife a week later. Wow, you met her a week after moving out here? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, yeah. dude. I feel like you've probably found your, your wife sooner than you found a job after moving out here. <laughs> hundred percent. I mean, I got a job. Of course, of course you get a job in an Irish pub. Like I landed over here and I thought, okay, I don't have any, I need money coming in. So I got a job in a, in a local enough Irish pub that had just opened. And I went to the, uh, to the bar for my first day and I had to take a train there. I was early, I had my laptop and I had about 40 minutes and I went over to a local coffee shop, beautiful coffee shop. And the only person there was this girl who was in college at the time. And yeah, I got chatting with her and, um, she said, yeah, I'll sit down and I'll join you. We were we were just chatting away. I said, do you want to sit down for a while? And we chatted for like 40 minutes, got our number. The rest is history. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That accent, dude. You got one right away, right off the plane, you know? <laughs> well, her grandfather was Irish and she said his accent never did anything for her. So she said it wasn't the accent. <laughs> <laughs> so then how long did it take you to get like a broadcasting job once you moved out here? About seven months of total and utter rejection. And this is where I was stupid and naive. And I thought that by having like Gaelic football experience or experience doing Irish sports, I thought that that would help me over here. And the reality is like every place I went to covering the Cubs, covering the Bears, covering college football, these aren't things we cover back in Ireland at all. And eventually I was playing golf with a buddy of mine that I worked with at the pub and I got a phone call. I had been applying everywhere and I got a phone call off a gent from the Big Ten Network, and he said, you've got your resume, I've gone through it here, you've got experience covering graphics or doing graphics. Would you be interested in a graphics coordinator position part-time, but we need you to start tomorrow? And I dropped the clubs, I told him absolutely. I hadn't got a Scooby-Doo what I was doing, Ryan, but I dropped the clubs and I legged it off and I, I started researching college football. 
And I did not know what a TFL was, you know, but the, the night before I had to study as much as I possibly could and go in there and not get fired. That was the goal of day one. Just don't get fired. Figure it out. And I had a non-conference Big Ten college football day as my first day. And uh, I somehow didn't get fired. And I remember leaving. And the two ladies that were my graphics operators were, were walking out of the building. And one of them said, if that kid comes back tomorrow, I'm going to die an early death. I was like, oh, here we go. I'm going to get fired. Because I haven't had a clue what I was doing. But I... I I got through it, and uh, one thing progressed to another, thankfully. Well, and, you know, on top of that, I'm someone who just loves when people create opportunities for themselves, and I thought it was really cool that you then, you know, you got your foot in the door doing that, so then you pitched, you saw this open lane where, okay, well, they're not covering the things that I used to cover, and you pitched your own show there, and then that led to you becoming a commentator, and I think that that's, like, so cool. Yeah, I, there was there was a situation where one guy, you know, just simply wasn't going to let me in, no matter what. And uh, my wife, I'll never forget, she, my girlfriend at the time, said to me, "So what are you going to do? Are you going to? Are you going to?" And she's so soft spoken, and she's she's keeps her cards close to her chest. She's like a flashback, my wife, to something from the fifties, you know, like she's got a record player on, and she never speaks like this. But in the moment, she said, "Well, are you going to let him win, and you're just going to give up?" Are you going to go through them? Are you going to go around them? What's your plan here? And that was like when the light bulb went off. And I thought, you can't let him win, first and foremost. You've got to figure this out. And there's another route here. And that might be just doing a an online five-minute show every week if your studio boss allows you to do it. So I produced the show. I obviously, you know, I worked with one other person on it who was brilliant. And uh, he wanted to be a producer. I wanted to be on air. So we kind of worked together to make this happen for ourselves. And he climbed through the ranks as a producer and I got opportunities on air. And I'm just so thankful that the camera crew, the director, everybody was willing to jump on board and help me out. And um, yeah, thankfully it worked out. Yeah, I think it speaks to, you know, your your skill and how people were willing to back you in that regard. I think it speaks to how generous they were too, <laughs> more more so than me. Like the, the fact that they were willing to even cut their lunch breaks short to be like, he's a friend of ours. Let's let's give this a go and, and, and see if it helps him out. And I just needed to be ready, everything buttoned up, ready to go for that five minute span that, that they were able to give. And I'm eternally grateful for it. How long did you do that show for? Did it for about two and a half years. And then the Chicago Fire opportunity came up in Major League Soccer as a sideline reporter. And that led to being a commentator. And that led to a, a job in, in Miami. So we, we, we found out we were moving to Miami the week of our wedding. And uh, yeah, we moved to Miami for four years, then on to Atlanta. So it's been a roller coaster every single step of the way. I think the biggest twist in the journey was absolutely WWE. Well, then how does WWE enter the picture? I'm shaving one day. I'm getting ready to go on CNN International. Half my face is full of shaving foam. And I get a phone call off a gentleman asking, you know, would, he, would I be interested in auditioning because they're they're headhunting for um, broadcast positions? And uh, I, I was one of, you know, I think 10 or 12 people uh, that, that auditioned for a broadcast position. I didn't really know what the broadcast position was at the time. And I, uh, for the interview, I did some play-by-play, -play, I did some walk and talks, I did some interviews with uh, some superstars, but it was Liv Morgan at the time back then. I'm, again, eternally grateful to Liv, who just played along with everything I was doing in those moments and was so cool. And uh, a bunch of things, including like meeting the producer, the director. I remember meeting like Triple H at the time, and it was daunting, but it was so much fun and it was infectious. Ryan, I left the building thinking, I hope, hope, hope I get a call. Like, this is this is where I want to go. And if the call comes in, I'm grabbing it and, and let's give it everything I've got. And thankfully, I got a phone call off Michael Cole 
a couple of weeks later being like we'd like to offer you a position as a backstage reporter and I love that role for the year and a half that I was in that position I absolutely loved it did you okay so when you get that phone call was it was just completely out of the blue you had never you there was no word like there was no agent or anything like, hey, hey maybe this might be in the right it was just completely out of the blue my agent I'm sure was was putting myself out there for I mean this this came in the pandemic this came at a time when like I'm covering soccer mainly and the, the soccer role had had dried up an awful lot because the games weren't happening. So it was a wild time. And then a, 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 an audition opportunity came about. So naturally, you're going to you're going to jump at it. Um, and, you know, I I jumped at it even even for the experience, you know, driving down to Tampa. And I drove because we're in the midst of COVID driving down to Tampa. I'm thinking, well, I'm not I'm probably not going to get it, but just have fun, like dive in, enjoy it. And um, I've I've just been a sponge and I've been absorbing everything and I've uh, since getting the role like the amount you learn from an edge an MVP a Bobby Lashley at Corey Graves in the locker room like you know Dolph Ziggler each and every week it's just such a cool experience and I I absolutely realize how lucky I am that's interesting that you say that because I think that most people would assume that the advice you're getting is from like a Corey Graves or a Michael Cole so it's interesting to hear that you're getting advice from the wrestlers as well. Well, wrestling theory and like the, the the conversations we have are what they live for as well. And and the conversations that I just listen to and pick up. There was one conversation not so long ago. You know, MVP is having a chat with Edge, and the conversation was epic. You know, you, I know you would have loved to have been listening in, and I'm listening to it, thinking that's fascinating. Yeah, that they, that was considered that way, or that they positioned this this way, and I'm just taking it all in as a sponge. And you you learn by sitting there and being around these people and respecting what they do. And also, I mentioned those people in particular because I've gotten to know them all quite well outside of WWE, like, you know, as human beings and as as fathers. And they're great people. There's actually, you know, what you said about being interested and how how fascinating you would find those conversations to be. I can't I probably can't get into too much detail here about when there was like a small thing that we did on the podcast with Charlotte and uh, a little angle for SmackDown and hearing the discussion, which I won't get into, but like hearing the discussion around it, it blew my mind. It was like, and I've been watching wrestling and covering wrestling for a very long time now. And just the little things they were discussing, I go like, I never would have thought of that. I never, that's mm -hmm. very interesting. And I was just sitting there. Like I was also just quiet sitting there like, Oh, that's, that's super interesting to hear the conversation. So I can only imagine how much deeper they are in, you know, the locker room. Well, that's what I lap up. I mean, that's that's what I love when I'm there. And when you listen to, I listened to, to Sam Roberts had a chat with John Cena recently, and it was 30 minutes that I just absorbed as a fan listening to John Cena talking about the theory and the the psychology behind everything and and the why. And that's the sort of stuff that I live for. And I, I, I have to say, it's just, it's so much fun to be around. Well, since sports were such a big part of your life, did you watch wrestling at all, ever at any point in your life? Yeah, like, I, I can't say I was a staunch fan growing up. My parents didn't really allow it, if I'm honest, in the house. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that everybody was going around as DX in high school. You know, everybody was going around pretending they were stone cold. And I know we're, I think, similar-ish age. Uh, so I'm sure it was the exact same for you, you yes. know, as, as a staunch fan, but also even the, the, the friends of yours that you had that wouldn't have been watching each and every show. 
but so you couldn't miss what was going on. I remember I had a Jake the Snake Roberts action figure as a kid, but I don't, I can't say I was a huge fan. I just remember that action figure so much from my bedroom. Um, and, and it's something that I'm sure to a lot of people is a negative tick, you know, but the thing I'd say about the, the fact that I'm a little bit of an outsider is I, I have a genuine curiosity about it and I have a newfound love for it. And I also know from being in there that the amount of superstars that have come from different avenues different avenues. You think about whether it's acting, whether it's The Miz and the route that he took to get the WWE, or I mentioned an edge and just being a lifelong fan from when he was a young boy in Canada. It's just so cool to experience the stories of so many different superstars that have had a different path, but have all come to the same place and are, are there now with one goal, and that's to drive the industry forward. Yeah, I've never been someone who thinks it's like a negative that, you, you know, someone working in wrestling wasn't always a wrestling fan. I think that sometimes that can be a real gatekeeper-y thought from some of the hardcore fan base because I, I agree with you. I think ultimately people are making a TV show and you want the best people there who can make the show as great as it can be. So wherever they come from, whether they're a Hollywood writer, whether they're an announcer from soccer or a gymnast or whatever, like whatever makes the show as good as possible to me, that's what I would like for, that's what I want people to be hired for. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, think of think of someone like Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair has spoken openly about having imposter syndrome um, because this is not something that she was consumed by younger at a younger age in her life. And and look at what a superstar Bianca Belair is now today to so many kids around the world that idolize Bianca and everything she does on a weekly basis. So it's it's a really really cool place when you look around. And you realize the different stories and the different avenues that people have taken to be there. And then you realize that behind the character, there's such tremendous people that, that are there. There's, there's people that I just gravitate towards because they're interesting. And we only live once. We get one shot at this world that we're part of. So you want to be around interesting people, people that you can chat with about life beyond work. And there's so many people at WWE, both on screen and behind the scenes that are just tremendous, that 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 continue to show up week in, week out. Some people, you know, I've been chatting to that are over 30 years with WWE that have played such a massive role that no one's ever going to know their name, you know, but they are passionate about what they do. They're tremendously talented at what they do. And WWE needs each and every one of those people in order to continue to thrive like the company is today. Is there one of those people that you can give a shout out to who will never get named that you wish got a little more love for the work they do? I was speaking with a gentleman named Randy in the truck uh, not so long ago after a show, and he was telling me stories from the very, very early days. And I asked him, and I think he, Randy said he's there over 30 years. Crazy. And, uh, you know, he he's someone who works with the producer and director inside the truck, and he's just so talented at what he does. And you, you see, you, hear, you often hear, I mean, I heard uh, John Cena when he was on, Back in Boston, I believe, he mentioned Stu. And uh, one of the camera guys, Stu, is there since the beginning too. And it, it's when you're surrounded by these people that you realize, wow, what a cool place to work, that there's people that love what they do and they're here 30 years after they started. Not many companies can say that. That's why I get a little... People sometimes online, on social media, my my the biggest criticism I get is being a shill, right? Or, you know... Being too positive, and I think that it's because, like, I grew up with a dad who worked in live TV. Like, I I know how hard it is to produce a week, just one weekly show a week that's live. The amount of effort that gets put into it, and that was like a thirty minute show. To see that people are doing this for decades now, two weekly shows, 
and and giving me you know entertainment throughout the entire year like that is that is mind-boggling compared to pe- most people in TV most people have one season of a show or one you know season of a sport or something and then they're they have all this time off this is something that goes year round live and it to me it's one of the most difficult shows on TV to pull off so i have immense respect when i watch it 100% really well said michael cole michael cole has missed two shows in 26 years that's crazy think about that for that's a second crazy. 52 weeks a year 26 years and he's missed two shows that's dedication and that's yeah. love Yes, yes, that is massive dedication. I can't believe he's only missed two shows. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. Well, how long did you know in advance that you were going to be moving to be, you know, to Raw and be the play-by-play announcer? Not long at all. No. But honestly, it was I was thrust into the spotlight um week of and it's something that I had been working on doing main event. Um and when I got the call, I had no idea. Changes were changes were made. Unfortunately, you never want to see like Jimmy Smith a friend of mine um and you don't want to you don't want to see people you know move on but when you're told you're 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 being trusted with this position it's like okay i i appreciate that and one day i'm sure you know one day i may be moved on and and the next person will come in and i wish them well it's it's just the nature of what we do in live entertainment so i uh i i didn't know for long but i had been working on it week in week out during main event and i i I love this industry that we're part of. I love live television. I love live shows. So naturally, you're kind of at every moment you get during Raw as a backstage reporter. I'm checking out, you know, what we call the truck sheets or the 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 the, the, the show rundown, at where we're at, what's coming next. You know, if I can listen in at all to uh, what's going on in the TV truck, I will. Because you, like I said earlier in the show, this is a full circle moment. You you garner a greater appreciation for how the show was put together. And I think as a host. When there's a fire going on in the in the truck, for example, and this is not WWE because it's so buttoned up, but I've worked in other places when a graphics machine may crash or something. And when you've worked on graphics and you can hear what's going on, you understand as a host and you're able to ad lib, you're able to fill time and um, make sure that the show goes on seamlessly, hopefully. Yeah, I, I I can only imagine what that would be like to hear the truck going crazy when something isn't working yeah, that right. That was elsewhere, not WWE, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, how much prep work are you doing? Because like you said, you know, you didn't, you know, you don't have a lifetime knowledge of wrestling. Uh, I would imagine you kind of had to study overtime to start to get that knowledge. Yeah, and a lot of that, quite honestly, I'm a, I'd like to think I'm a people person, is calling people, talking with people, having chats, asking someone, can I have a coffee with you? You know, it's getting to know people and then it's consuming everything that's available on Peacock and um, getting to know the the superstars themselves, whether that's their 24 documentaries or previous matches. And uh, over time, you you start to develop your favorites. You start to develop the, the, the ones that you're close with as friends. Uh, and, and also, you know, you want the superstars to come to you with information on their character. That's just the nature of it. You, you always want... You feel like the the very the most invested superstars will give the most detail throughout, and you can tell. You can just tell when a commentator is is so invested, and and vice versa. It's a beautiful thing when you get those superstars that are just over the top invested in everything that they're doing, and and they want to communicate everything with you. And I I'm one that I want to try and chat with everybody throughout the entire day on Monday, and and make sure that I'm telling the right stories. So then. Okay, so then are you writing stuff down? Like, is it all mental? Or are you writing notes on these things? Or how, how does that work? 
Both. 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 You know, a, a big part of it is, you know, how do you differentiate Imperium versus the bloodline? You know, in terms of adjectives, adjectives, descriptives, um, how, how how do you position certain superstars? There, there's an awful lot that goes into it. The psychology is very important, uh, given what we do. So I think uh, uh, there is a, there's a huge amount of prep, but I would nearly watch SmackDown two or three times and watch it and watch it and listen to why Cole said a certain thing a certain way or watch a different show and 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 tune in and try and understand the why. And the why is very important for what we do because you start to understand the psychology and the storytelling that comes with that. And then the light bulb hopefully goes off and then another one goes off and you, you start to meander and navigate your way through shows that little bit easier. Since you weren't a fan, you talked about how you started gravitating towards some of your favorites. Who were some of your favorites when you started watching, like you're now you're there, you're ringside, you're backstage, whatever. Who were some of the ones that you were like, okay, I'm a fan of this guy. This guy's cool. Wow, obviously Roman, because it, it, I think his his overall performance leaves me speechless. It really does leave me speechless. Um, I thought, you know, when I first started, Drew McIntyre. Bobby Lashley, what Bobby was doing with MVP at the time. And then I was thrust into the spotlight as the backstage reporter. And I was with Bobby and MVP an awful lot. For a lot of those backstages, when I first started, I was with Bobby and MVP. And we developed, I felt like, you know, really good chemistry. Um, you know, Bobby would grab my tie at times and I'd, I'd interrupt the VIP lounge, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was fun uh, to, to navigate those waters in the early days. Well, you develop different relationships, you know, with different people in different ways. Like Riddle is just so much fun to be around. Like Damien Priest. Uh, obviously, I've got a natural gras, we'd say in Ireland, our love for the Irish. Um, Seamus, Becky and Finn are three tremendous people. Um, and and it, it's just been it's been wonderful to get to know them. And you have JD McDonough's now come up to Raw very recently. And it's just there's a real pride there for the small country that we came from that there's real genuine top class superstars on WWE TV each and every week. So everything happens over time. You get to know people in different ways. And, and I, I, again, I know I've said this a lot throughout the show, but I'm eternally grateful to the ones that showed me that trust in the early going, the likes of an edge, the likes of an MVP that are so experienced, Rey Mysterio, that you get to know from, from just having those chats and you have to be a sponge around these people because like Ray and edge, they're hall of famers. I think people underestimate how hard those backstage interviews can be because I, doing this job, you know, I'll have a couple minutes sometimes at pay-per-views where I get to interview them. And first of all, it's incredibly nerve-wracking because there's so many things happening everywhere and there's there's stuff, moving parts or whatever. But it's, it's funny when you're in there and you can tell who are the ones that have been doing it for a long time are because Bobby Lashley was the first person I got to interview in that instance post-match. And it was literally just like, asking one question and just setting him off and he just did all the rest of the work for me as I stood there holding a microphone making sure hopefully I have it in the right place or same with like the Usos where it was like I asked one question and they just they just go you know and so you can really tell you can learn a lot from just standing there and watching these guys yeah yeah they get it they get it like they they, they live for this the guys you've just mentioned live for this I mean, think about the Usos and the heritage, the family that they come from. You know, Bobby Lashley is just so passionate about what he does. Yet at the same time, Bobby Lashley is the ultimate gent. He is the ultimate gent and he's a brilliant dad. And when you see him around his kids, it's just a joy to behold. You know, I, I've got a we've got a joke in our house because Bobby gave me like a little workout that I do. And 
it's like a timed workout. You know, it's pretty quick. If you're short on time, I do the Bobby Lashley workout. My wife will see me sometimes be like, are you doing the Bobby workout? I'm like, yeah, yeah. You want to join me? And it's just, it's just a bit of fun, but Bobby's a motivating guy. So you're around Bobby and all of a sudden you want to just be better. Yeah. everything you do yeah well, yeah you can tell when you're sitting there with him that not only is he a nice guy but he does, he is that kind of guy who wants to like raise everyone up around him and makes you want to be better for sure uh lastly i have one more question here uh because i'm i think i've run low on time i can hear my producer telling me to wrap it up but i wanted to ask you uh one more thing before we leave here uh what's been the most memorable finish that you've called on commentary up to this point oh man that is tough i think you know, being honest, look, heading into matches, you're, you're just, it's a whirlwind. You're, 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 you're so busy with the show and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this match is next. This match is next. But the one that I was really looking forward to the most was Edge. To call an Edge match was a really special moment. And Beth Phoenix was there, you know, in attendance that day. It was, it was Edge against Austin Theory for the United States Championship. That was special. But I think that's been surpassed now by last Monday's World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins, Damian Priest. It just felt huge, as it should, you know? Uh, November 21st, 2021, the last time a World Championship was defended on Monday Night Raw. It's too long. So for Seth to come in as the man now, you know, carrying that new goal that he's just, he's got so much pride, both in front of the camera and behind it. He's, he works so hard and he's so good at what he does. So for Seth to come in as the, as the new world heavyweight champion and throw out that open challenge, Priest accepts, the judgment day, the, the, the progression, the evolution that we've seen from them has been outrageous. So that was always going to be a banger and it's certainly delivered. So for that, I know it's a bit of recency bias, but that's probably up there. And if I can give you one as a backstage reporter, I had a lot of fun with Randy Orton and Riddle, RK bro. So I would I would often be on their you know promos and then when I was part of the academic challenge with the Alpha Academy, we had several weeks in a row of, you know, we had a quiz inside the ring and I was the ring master or the, the quiz master. We had a, a race backstage, you know, and I'm at the start line and all that stuff, Ryan, was just so much fun to be part of because you're dealing with great fellas and legend, obviously, in Randy Orton and to be around him was so cool. But the, the overall product I felt was really, really good. And I thought the majority of the WWE universe just lapped that up and really enjoyed everything RK Bro did. That stuff was, yeah, that stuff was hilarious. All those things that you just mentioned, I was a fan of all those things. And I think that you're right about the title match in terms of how big it felt. Because I think that, I even wrote an article about it afterwards for the Fox Sports website where it was like, to me, it made the show feel whole again. Like, I, I just kind of always felt like something was missing from Raw without a world title. And now that we've got a world champion back on the show, you know, trying to defend it as much as possible, it just it, it, it just felt like a big deal again. Yeah, and, and Rollins is not going to shy away from that responsibility. So you see whether it be, you know, Braun Breaker on NXT calling him out. Rollins is is going to make this, as he said, an opportunity for everybody, and uh, and that's something that that Seth, the fella, wants. You know, he wants to be that guy, that workhorse, week in, week out. Whether it be week in, week out, defending, we'll see. But Monday Night Raw this past week felt like a really big show. The atmosphere was incredible, and the the crowds. I'll say this. The, the, the WWE Universe each and every week right now, there's something special. There has been since, you know, Corey and I have talked about it recently, probably Clash of the Castle. There's been this momentum and there's this been this electricity 
in each arena that we head to. And, and Hartford, Connecticut was brilliant. And some of the matches we had, some of the Money in the Bank qualifiers, I thought the Becky Sonia Deville match was exceptional. Zoe Stark continues to climb. But then the match between KO and Gunter was just something special. It was a bruising, hard hitting match. And, uh, and those are the matches that, as a commentator, you're just enjoying and you're diving into and, and you're lapping it up. Yeah, and and I'll wrap it up here as well. But I I agree. Since Clash of the Castle, it's been it's been a like a real roller coaster of a ride because the audiences are just eating it up, and you can hear the crowds just going crazy. Especially when Dominic's out there. That's 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 <laughs> when they're the most loud now, which is which is kind of crazy. All right, I gotta wrap it up here, Kevin. Thank you so much for doing this today. I am so glad that we got to do this. I'm a fan of yours. I'm a fan of your work. And I'm excited to see you continue to kill it every week on Monday Night Raw. I'm humbled, man. Thank you. I hopefully continue to grow in the role. And, and let me just say thank you for what you do because we all need this. You know, a chance to have a chat like this is just very important. And uh, you're excellent at what you do. Keep up the great work, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you saying that very much. Have a great day. Cheers, Ron. All right. That was my conversation with Kevin Patrick. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Super nice guy. I love when I'm talking to someone and you can tell they're just super nice people. I'd already felt that way when I met him backstage a few times at WWE shows, but having him on here for a full conversation really brings it into perspective. And I enjoy his commentary, so I'm really glad that we finally got him in here. All right, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure that you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're on all of them, so make sure you're following us there. And also make sure that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find this show on video every Wednesday. You can find clips from the show, YouTube shorts. And in addition to that, you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown as well. So make sure if you're on YouTube that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And also, if you're watching right now on the YouTube channel, hello. I did my hair for you, so I hope you appreciate it. I hope you like this sick LWO shirt that I'm wearing. But what I would like from you is to also go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. That's where you can listen to the audio version of this show every week and more. So please do me a solid Go over there, subscribe to the channel, and if you enjoy listening to the show or watching it every week, please leave a review as well. It really does help out a lot. I don't just say it to feed my ego. Well, I partly say it to feed my ego because I like reading them, but also it does actually help. So please go leave those reviews as well. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character. 